Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the People of Packaging podcast. I'm your co-host Ted Tate and in our continued effort to showcase the people, the personalities, and the various job functions that make up the packaging industry, uh, we meet Evelio Matos. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So for this episode, we're very happy to welcome Avilio Matos to the People of Packaging podcast. Avilio, hello. How are you? Awesome, Ted. <clears throat> Thanks for having now, me. I'm really excited. Oh, absolutely. We're excited to have you. Now, normally we try to do as many face-to-face meetings uh, as possible, but just logistically we could not work that one out today. So... Excuse us if the uh, audio quality is not up to par with the other interviews, but I think the content will be way more important. So, uh, Avilio, please introduce yourself. Yeah, so, uh, so my name is Avilio Matos. I, I've been in packaging for uh, almost 15 years now, and uh, you know, my focus has always been on the consumer experience side. Um, you know, I, I really began on the on the graphic design side um, of things, and, and then that just kind of mutated into packaging design. And the longer I was in there, the further away I got from the graphics, and, and really then focused just on consumer experiences. Um, you know, clients ranging from fashion to alcohol to tech, um, and all all types of packaging from primary, secondary, uh, and then you know. Today, it's, it's a lot of e-com um, and that type of stuff. Okay. okay, so before we get too far away from it, can you explain what you stated about consumer experience a little bit more? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny because I just, uh, today I had a, had a couple calls with different clients, um, and, you know, one of them came with, well, we need new, we need new packaging. I say, okay. Let's. I got you. Let's let's back it up. Like, why do you think you need new packaging? Right. Like, what are you trying to get at? Um, and you know, as you kind of dig into these, and once you start kind of digging away and pulling these layers back, you start realizing they don't necessarily clients don't necessarily know that they need new packaging, or um, you know, they've seen a, a competitor has new packaging, so I've got to have new packaging. Um, but ultimately, what people are wanting to do is is create uh, a user experience, right? I mean, we remember the things that we experience. We don't necessarily remember the things that we just see. Um, so a, a, like a user experience could be, you know, is the box the right size for your audience, right? Is it overpackaged? Um, are you selling to five-year-olds whose hands are a lot smaller? Are you selling to uh, an age demographic who may have difficulty opening certain things because of, uh, you know, whatever physical disabilities tend to happen at, you know, with age? Um, we want to create the perfect experience for each one of those targets, not necessarily for the client, right? Because the the person that you're talking with um, might have gigantic hands for whatever reason, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I love this. I love this container, and it, you know, I can rip this thing right open." And it's like, "Okay, great," but you know, my mom can't open that. Um, right. 
And I always go back to my mom, my poor mom. She's my example for everything. I'm like, I'm like if my mom can open this without, it, without instructions, we're good. Um, and it's like, you know, I look at packaging from a couple different levels. Um, you know, d- depending on the price point of the product, there's going to be a certain number of touch points and how do we build an experience from that. Um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a luxury product, you know, we want to create a little bit more anticipation, um, layer in some, you know, some, some marketing and some branding. Um, so you get, you know, you get a box if it's e-com and there should be a, there should be an appropriate way to open it. It shouldn't just be duct tape shut and you've got to go find a pair of scissors or a kitchen knife to open this thing up. There has to be a well thought through process of how am I going to open this up? I just spent $500 on a pair of shoes or whatever the product is, you know, I shouldn't have to rip this thing open. Um, it should be thought through. So I should be able to have like a tear strip or have uh, some type of functionality that allows me to open that box easily. Then I am able to sep- separate that e-com box, uh, make it easy to recycle, something that, that breaks down easily and I can put into my, my curbside bin. Um, and then the pack should be there. You know, whether it's wrapped or if there's any type of dunnage in there, it should be the minimal amount of dunnage so that I don't have to end up with a big pile of um, you know, some type of craft paper or tissue paper. Um, and then my box should be there and I should be able to open it. You know, I should see branding, um, lift that up. There should be some type of welcome message, you know, some type of message that's going to take me from, I just ripped this box open in my kitchen and I've got d- dirty dishes in the sink um, to, you know, fully in- immersing me in the brand. Right. Give me some type of a, a, a sensory feeling, whether it's through the material that, we're, that we've selected, the embossing texture, um, something that's going to separate me from my home or my office, wherever I'm opening this box up, to revealing that first message of the brand talking directly to me. And then I can remove okay. that, and then maybe there's the, the product. Right? So th- those are the user experiences that, that I tend to focus on, is how do we get the consumer to remember that moment and take them away from whatever their current reality is, whether it's, you know, you got dishes to clean or you've got, um, you know, kids to put to bed or whatever that is. Like I want that one mm-hmm. moment to be memorable and be all, only yours. Okay. That's, that's awesome actually. It's, <laughs> so it's kind of, you're the link between the brand and an immersive experience with the customer first time. hundred percent. Well, that that's that's awesome. That is a, a very different um, function and viewpoint from uh, people we've had previously on this podcast because it it takes it a step even further than just getting it safely to a customer, which is traditionally where a package engineer you know thinks get it to the customer safely, and then right. you know your job is done. You're taking it even further, forcing the brand to think about you know, the full consumer experience. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, it's almost like Calgon for, uh, for packaging. <laughs> you know, you want to take the customer away from their everyday life. Yeah. Uh, I think that's very interesting. But it's funny because a lot of brands don't think of, of packaging in that sense, right? I mean, Amazon does a great job with, you know, all, this, all the stuff they do, right? They do, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like Amazon trunk or something like that where you, where I can, I can pick out like 10 different pairs of jeans and they ship them all to me and I can try them all on 
and then I just return the ones that I don't keep, and I'll only pay for the ones I do keep. Um, okay. Which is, you know, and I have nothing to do with that packaging, but it's basically a big box. It comes with a bunch of clothes in it, and it's, you know, there's no unboxing experience. There's no nothing there, but there's also no consumer expectation for there to be an unboxing because it's mm-hmm. all about me saving time, right? It's all, you know, my expectation is that I'm going to get a bunch of jeans. I'm going to try them all on. I'm going to send some stuff back. They're, they make it easy to return. You know, all that stuff's great. But if I spent, you know, 300 bucks on a pair of jeans and it was shipped to me and it was a Corgi box where I have to tear open the top and then there they are just dumped on the bottom, like, you know, shoved into a corner because the UPS driver dropped them or whatever, I'm going to open them up and I'm going to feel... I don't know if those things are worth 300 bucks, right? <laughs> like they didn't care enough about them to, to package them. Maybe I don't care enough about them, so I'll just return them because it's, it's so easy to return things nowadays. You have to create some kind of moment that connects with the consumer and makes them, you know, connects them to it to the point where they're going to say, you know what, I'm not going to return these. They're, these are definitely valuable. These are worth my time. Yeah, that's, again, that's an interesting uh, function within packaging. Um, so let's get into what brought you to this position here. So you stated that you started in graph as a graphic artist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, let's, I mean, if we take it, if we take it all the way to the beginning, right? Cause everything is about, um, like everything I do today somewhere somehow has, has started, uh, before, before this, um, you know, I was born in, I was born in South America. I was born in Colombia. Um, and this is uh, you know, Latino Heritage Month, right? So, so being you know being a Latino coming to coming to the U.S. is um, it's it's great to see a lot more Latinos in in packaging and then kind of working with them. Um, you know, it's not something that you necessarily you know packaging is not something necessarily you you you're like a five year old kid and like man I want to make boxes, right? That's mm-hmm. not that's not the dream. Um, whether you know doesn't matter where you're from it's you know, nobody is nobody grows up going man i want to make boxes all the time um true but, very true that's what we found a lot <laughs> right. we're trying to get it to the point where kids want to get into packaging yeah for sure right but it's like we got to we got to tell that story um but no so i you know so i was i was born in south america i was born in colombia um then you know we came you know we came to the us my dad uh was an amazing illustrator um uh, we lived in New York, we lived in Queens, uh, grew up in, in Sunnyside, and um, he couldn't get, you know, there wasn't a lot of work for somebody that could draw really well and, and do certain things uh, in that time, so he got, um, he, was a, he was a waiter. Um, so he waited tables at, at the plaza in New York, and, um, and then one, you know, after, after a while, he's like, you know what, let's, let's pick up and let's move to, let's move to, um, to, to Hawaii. So we moved to Hawaii and all the time as a kid, I'm growing up and my dad's teaching me how to draw. You know, he's always, um, I always remember that he had these like drawing challenges for me. He would take a sheet of paper and he would draw whatever the, the item was, he would draw it on half of the sheet and the other half of it would be blank. And then he'd hand it to me and I'd have to fill in the other side. Um, that's awesome. it was like these drawing prompts and I'd always do them. You know, so I, I always, I just grew up drawing, um, was then it something we you loved in. to do, or was it more oh, I like a it. punishment? No, okay. no, no, I loved it. I mean, he would just, you know, he would he would draw like somebody's face. It would just be half of their face. I'd have to do the other half, uh, and it really gave me, you know, as a kid, you're growing up and you're like, you know, you're you're drawing. You don't really get 
you know, um, depth of field. You don't get like the, the importance of line weight. You don't get uh, how to shade. You don't really understand that until you start actually doing it. And, you know, through repetition, you, you improve. Um, so that was always, you know, something I always look back on because um, today in terms of packaging, like all, like I'm sitting with, you know, with a client and immediately I just grab a pen and paper and I start sketching. Right. Let's talk about uh, let's let's I identify what your what the hurdles are that we're trying to overcome. Right. Let, you know, can I sketch it? You know, can I sketch that problem? Right. Can I physically can I visibly see this issue? Is it the the pack is too tight? Is it that the bottles are breaking because there's not enough cushion on the bottom? You know, I want to see it so that I can show it to the client and be like, this is what we're solving for. And I think when you can create something visual for somebody to react to, it makes it a lot easier than explaining something to them saying, you know what, you're getting, you know, you're, you're, you're not getting enough cushioning on the bottom of this pack. So when it gets dropped, you're bottoming out and your bottles are breaking. I was like, yeah, I don't really quite get it. Right? But if you can illustrate it, because people learn in so many different ways that you can, you can definitely um, um, create that. So, so, I mean, if, if you looked around my desk, I probably have like 30 to 40 different sketches of 10 different projects that are wow. moving. Um, because that's how I communicate with everybody. I was like, here's a quick sketch. It might take me three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes to knock one out or to knock out like 10 of them. And then I can just photograph them with my phone, email them out to an entire group and say, here's, you know, here's the direction. Here's what we're trying to achieve. And it's more about providing that big picture direction of here are the things that are important to, to make this function versus here's exactly what I want you to make, right? Because um, you don't want to work with robots. You want to work with people that have their own experiences and have their, you know, their own talents. And, you know, and I might pick you know, these three people because I know that they're really good at one you know, specific material or one specific structure. Um, be like, here's, you know, here's some sketches. Here's kind of where I want to go. Now take it and just make it your own. Build it out, and, and you come back to me with like more ideas than I, than I've given you. Uh, right. And that's how we kind of that's how we build. Okay. Yeah, the collaboration is key. Yeah, you're absolutely. Really trying to figure things out, definitely. And I'm sure you you work with more visual types in marketing, and you know, as brand owners, a lot of them are very visual. You know, absolutely. need to see it. So the sketching is uh, is a very good skill to have. Uh, I use it as an engineer as well because uh, they don't have time for you to go back to a a CAD station and draw something up. You know, they're talking and the juices are flowing. You know, you need to break out the the pad and pencil right there. And it's important. It's a a skill set that I see fading away because so many people are focusing on – you know, on the on the different types of CAD programs, right? Whether it's you know SolidWorks or, or what have you, they're just they jump into that. And I was at um, I was at MSU um, not too long ago, speaking to you know speaking to the packaging um, the, the packaging students, and it was like I did one, I did two, I did two keynotes. My my first presentation was on just the process and sketching and how to, you know, how to get these ideas out. And afterwards, all these students come up to me and go, you know, I sketch all the time, but I never show anybody. Um, I just use those, you know, for myself and I kind of build. I'm like, no, you've got you've to take those sketches and you have to show people. You have to take them. They're like, oh, but I don't, but I don't sketch well. Or I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's like if you can put your ideas on paper 
you can move your project along so much faster. It's like just get them, get them out there, show them to your professors, show them to your clients, um, and have a dialogue over that, right? Because then when you get to, you know, the, the CAD stations, that's just another tool, right? You don't want to, you don't want right. to design something with that tool. You want to just execute with that. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I still get messages from people going, hey, take a look at this sketch. Uh, what do you think of this? And, you know, I give them feedback. So I, I, I get, I mean, my email is full of design students and packaging designers reaching out, asking questions. Um, so just, it just, it's funny to me, um, just this love of, of packaging and um, just the process behind it. And, and, and I'm just hoping to get more people excited about it. And that's the purpose of this podcast as well, because <laughs> we separately, uh, you know, notice that whenever people talk about packaging and what goes into launching something. I, I work throughout my career more on the rigid side, so the primary containers, and they're amazed at what goes into, you know, launching a new product. And, you know, people, you know, even outside of the direct conversation listening in like, wow, really? I didn't, you know, and jumping in. <laughs> and we noticed this separately, and then we met and started, you know, talking and you know, like, yeah, you, you ever notice that people always are interested in packaging, but nobody really cares about it? It's an afterthought, and, and that's right. how the podcast formed, you know, for that oh, reason. Awesome. We want to get people engaged and interested, um, you know, as a career choice, because as far as we know, if there's a product, there will be a package to put it in. Right. Yeah. For the near future. You have to. Although you know, although I'm I'm running into a lot of clients now that are um, bringing me in to to figure out how to get out of packaging, okay. which is uh, <laughs> which you know let's, which is, is interesting, but I'm up for the challenge. Okay, well let's let's dig into that a little bit later on. Uh, <laughs> I want to stay with with you as your yeah. young self, and you know what did you want to do when you were a kid? I wanted to be a chef, 100%. Oh. That was that was my love. I was um, so we moved when we moved to Hawaii, and my dad was a waiter. Um, you know, I get I got to spend time at all these restaurants, um, and I think like I was 12 years old, I got my first job as a dishwasher um, in this restaurant called Island Fish House in in Maui. Um, and I would, I would rush through, I mean, I would rush through all the dishes, get them all in the machine and, and, and going just so I could hurry up and go over. And there was this guy, Big Ed, and he was the pantry chef and he was chopping vegetables and making sauces. And um, he was like this big Santa Claus looking guy. And, you know, I'm this little skinny 12 year old kid. And I'm like, I'm like, I want to learn, you know, it took me forever. And he's like, okay. He's like, he got me a knife set. And I think my first week I chopped like a million carrot tops and ends and, you know, like just prepping everything for him, right? Doing all this, all the grunt work that he didn't want to do. But man, I, mm-hmm. I ate that stuff up. I just loved it. Um, you know, and, and being in a kitchen, it's, it's a, um, it's a, I don't know, it's like a completely different environment. I mean, you're, you're in there and everybody in there is your family and everybody's working as fast as they can um, to crank out food and, you know, get the clients extremely happy and, um, you know, have, giving them a, a, a full a full experience as well. Um, but it's funny because, like, once I once I um, as, as I as I got older and I, I went, I studied I studied culinary arts for a little bit, and then I just realized, you know what? 
I love this too much to do it for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I get it. I couldn't do it, right? It's like I, I couldn't. I totally get it. Do it for money because it just took all the passion out of it. Um, mm -hmm. But like recently, about two years ago, uh, um, a friend of mine, uh, a chef, because most of my friends are, are still chefs, um, launched a food truck. So I helped him. I helped him launch this this food truck, and I mean that. I just love. I just love getting in and kind of getting greasy and cooking and, and doing it just for the grit, not, you know, not looking for fine dining. We're just looking for something fun and exciting. Right. Yeah, that's great. Fun fact. I'm allergic to carrots. Are you what? Who's allergic to carrots? I'm allergic to carrots. <laughs> and in college, uh, every summer I worked for a major pharmaceutical company. Um, they would hire in you know, college kids so that all the, the main workers can, you know, do their vacations so they'll stay staffed. And one summer I worked in the cafeteria. And my task for the morning was to peel a 50-pound bag of carrots. <laughs> I didn't I think go? anything of it, right? You know, I figured right. as long as I'm not eating them, I'm okay. Right. And I got threw the 50-pound bag of carrots, and my boss, you know, tapped me on the shoulder to ask me a question, and I turned around, and, you know, she was a white woman, and she went totally pale, and she, she was like, uh, excuse me, Ted, do you have a allergy to carrots? And I was like, yeah, why? She said, go look in the mirror. And my eyes were swollen and bloodshot red, and oh she was God. like, okay, you're off carrot duty for the rest of the day. Forever. <laughs> Right. Who knew? So that was my last carrot experience uh, in a major way in the kitchen. So you saying that as your example just triggered that thought. So, yeah, fun fact. Oh, it's funny. Cook, yeah. Cooked carrots are no problem. Oh, really? Just it's the raw, raw carrots. It's the weirdest thing. So now you know something that nobody really knows about me. So there it is. Right. Now the whole audience um, knows that. Yeah. Now they're all laughing like carrots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, so so uh, you started off with a love of the culinary arts, right? Still being creative. Yep. So um, so I'd, I'd gone in. I'd, I'd gone into the the Marines. Uh, I spent I spent four years in the Marine Corps also. Oh, um, okay. And once um, once I got I, and I loved every second of it. And once I got out of the Marines, um, I was stationed in in San Clemente, California, and I I'd also you know, growing up drawing and, and doing illustrations and stuff, I I thought I could find a job doing doing something in that space. I didn't really know what it was, um, but I kind of wanted to figure it out. And um, I got out of the, you know, I, I spent four years in the Marines. And I got out at, I just turned 21. Um, I went in when I had just turned 17. Okay. And um, so I was still, you know, I'm still really young and um, not, not knowing a whole lot about how to get into design or, or what I could even do with, uh, with some illustration experience. Um, I, I got a job in, uh, in, or in uh, Laguna Beach. So St. Clemente is a beach town. Up the road, like 15 minutes, is Laguna Beach, which is um, a pretty affluent area. It's a really affluent area. And um, there's a lot of design businesses there. And um, and I figured, all right, everybody here, everybody's got dogs. Um, you know, every, everybody walks around the beach with their dogs, like their golden retrievers and all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to get a job at a pet store. And um, so I got this job at a pet store so that I could meet everybody from the town that lived there because no tourists are coming in and out of there. And, 
over, I was there for about four months in this pet shop, and this lady kept coming in, and she had um, lizards and dogs and all these, all these animals. Um, her name was Angie Miller, and she had a, a, she had a design studio called Miller & Associates. And, you know, I struck up a conversation. I kept talking to her. Every time she'd come in, she'd start bringing in, like, different staff to come in and, and, and get, you know, pick up her food for her uh, or come with her to pick out stuff. And then I would just chat it up with her. I'm like, look, man, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to, I want to you know, I want to be a designer. I want to learn the business. Um, and, you know, after just poking and prodding, she's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a shot. You're going to come in. I had zero experience, like, on a computer. So I'm like, I need to learn how to use a computer. <laughs> Oh wow! Um, you know, so I, I was, you know, I was, I was illustrating, you know, pen and ink, all that stuff. Um, and she's like, "All right, come on in. We're gonna, we'll, we'll figure something out." And then I spent five years with her. Um, oh wow, that's you know, great! Amazing, right? I mean, she just mentored me and, and gave me the, the most amazing guidance. Um, she taught, um, she taught graphic design at Chapman University. Um, so I, you know, I just got to learn from her and, and all these different aspects of the design business of not just um, actually designing, but also um, just you know how to close a client or how to how to service a client. And I mean, she would go into um, her clients, and they were you know these large businesses um, in tech and the medical. And um, I mean, she would walk through the building, and every single person was so excited to see her. They, you know, the, from the receptionist, they'd be like, oh, my God, Angie, how are you? To just some random office person that you would walk past their office, had nothing to do with anything that she touched. And they would come up and be like, oh, Angie, how are you? How are you doing? And, and it was, um, I mean, it just taught me so much in terms of when you're just in life, really, right? You have to just be nice to everyone, and, and everybody has an interesting story, and you have to make time to listen to people. You can't just be, I'm here for business, and walk past everybody, right? It's like... Right. Connect with as many people as you can, and, and um, you know, just try to make everybody's day a little bit a little bit better. Um, so, just you know, from her, I, I spent a couple of years with her, and then um, she's like, you know, the work that I need you to do is is kind of um, it's kind of coming to an end. I don't have as much work for you as I had before. So, you know, here I'm thinking, oh man, I'm getting you know, I'm getting the shaft here, and she's like, nope. She's like, uh, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm getting you a position at the, at the printer that does all of our printing. Hmm. Um, she's like, I want you to learn how, you know, how things are produced. So I went and worked with um, her printer, whose whose name was Bruce. And with Bruce, I mean, I learned everything from paper, selecting paper, paper grain, you know, how to cut paper, how to mix ink, how to load a machine, how to, you know, how to, you know, how to cut separations back when everything was. You know, before you know, before everything was computer to plate, and it was you know hand cut rubies and all that good stuff. Like I learned all that, um, and I just ate that stuff up. I mean, that was so much fun just to get in there with like an exacto blade and and cut stuff and and burn That's stuff and you know valuable like, information. <laughs> it was a, it seriously, was and, and you know, and I, I thank yeah, you know, I thank Angie uh, every day for for this because you know you don't get that. You don't get that education anymore, right? It's like I'm I'm in packaging. I'm going to learn how to drop things, or I'm going to learn how to, uh, you know, design things. But it's like, how do you make it? How does it happen on the back end? Um, so I spent yeah, so I spent a long time doing doing those two things, um, and then um, after that, I moved to 
I moved to Arizona and um, I got a job at U-Haul International, their um, corporate office here in Arizona. And I wanted to get into the illustration side because they had these beautiful graphics on the, on the trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and my buddy Steve was the illustrator there. He wasn't my buddy then, but you know, I, got, I went in, I did the interview. They had like a production assistant position. And I, I remember just being this cocky kid and they're like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to, I want to take that guy's job that does his graphics on those trucks. <laughs> yeah. And you're so friends like, now. Yeah, and the, you know, they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll call you. Uh, but it's funny because like once I got the job and I met Steve, I mean, he became another one of my mentors. He, you know, he taught me how to use Illustrator. He taught me like all the ins and outs and how to separate things because the, the graphics were are um, could be like 20 to 30 different color separations because they were done silk screened. They were they were silk screened okay. onto the trucks. Um, so I learned how to separate like these super complex things um, with him, and then. Um, you know, I spent, I spent a, a little while with him and, um, you know, I remember him telling me, he's like, he goes, yeah, he goes, they came up to me and they said, we interviewed this kid that wants to take over your job and get you out of here. And he's like, perfect. You bring him in here, you know, and, and, uh, we became like just the, the best, the best of friends. Uh, but it's, you know, I, I, it kind of goes back to like, to that experience with Angie of, just got to be nice to everyone and, you know, be yourself and, and, and create a, you know, create a story and give everybody something that, you know, something to kind of go off of, right? Like build all these relationships. Um, but while I was at U-Haul, they, they launched a new product. It was some, some kind of software product. Um, and nobody wanted to design like the packaging for it. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. And of course, back then it's like, I grabbed all the boxes that I possibly had of, software. So like your, your Quark Express, all your Photoshop versions, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I took all those boxes apart and then I, I built my own, built my own die line. I, I built my own prototypes, you know, did all the graphics and then, you know, pulled, you know, pulled graphics from different people from Steve and other designers. Um, and that went, and that was really successful. And I think at that point I was, I was hooked. I'm like, I, I built something, I created it, it's produced, it's in store. I can actually go and touch it. You know, I can tell my mom, go to your U-Haul store and look at this box. Like I made that. Right. That's that like was, the ultimate satisfaction. That was it. Yeah. That yeah. My first, uh, my first job in this business was at Revlon and Halle Berry is a spokesmodel. <laughs> so do I need to say anything else? Right. I mean, that's <laughs> it right there. It's like, that was the hook for me. <laughs> Seeing her holding something that I worked on was like, okay, this is for me. <laughs> That's the that's ultimate awesome. satisfaction. Yeah, that's awesome. So from U-Haul to yep. to to where? So, so U-Haul, I I started my own uh, my own agency out of my out of my house, um, mm-hmm. and I was designing you know a lot of startup stuff, whether it was yeah. um, you know Da Vinci's landscaping to um, <laughs> you know Ben Franklin plumbing. You know, it's like all these different random companies, but I'm like, I, I can do this. I can, I can build something here. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Uh, there was packaging throughout that, uh, but a lot of it was, you know, I wouldn't even say branding. Uh, it was mostly just like graphics and getting these, these companies off the ground um, to where they would then actually, you know, need branding, right? It's a, a lot of these small local startups that 
um, you know, think branding is just a logo. And it's like, okay, well, I got a logo. I'm ready to go. And it's like, there's, there's more to it, but let's just get your business started, and then we can figure out what your story is along the way. And, and I would hand them off to, to, to agencies that could handle you know, the work when they were ready for it. So I, I really enjoyed just kind of partnering with those guys and learning all the different things about all the different industries that you get to touch. Um, but after a, couple, after a while, it, was, um, it just becomes too much paperwork, right? I'm hunting down um, billables, and I'm doing all these different things that's not designed. So I went and I, um, I, I, got, um, I got a job with a company called Design Packaging and did packaging for them for, for 12 years, uh, and that allowed me to experience um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the brands in, in fashion, to, from Michael Kors to Marc Jacobs, um, and working on on packaging for those brands. And that's really where um, I, I really focused in on on packaging and, and the retail side and the user experience. Uh, okay. And then I was able to partner with Andrew and um, Jessica of the Dye Line and start sharing my story there. Um, and that was that was a um, that was a really good time. Okay. And the dye line is what? The dye line is the most amazing packaging blog out there. And for, okay. for listeners that aren't familiar, it's uh, thedyeline.com. Um, and you're getting, you've got a, a great staff of writers on there that are looking for uh, new packaging, packaging trends, uh, what was happening um, in the world of retail really what's happening in the world of plastic-free packaging um, and telling just the, the daily story of, of, of our industry. Okay. Well, that's they, awesome. Yeah. So with them, you know, I was able to write um, a ton, you know, a lot of um, posts and articles just focusing on, on one of the things that I love to do besides packaging is just to share my experience and help bring up younger designers and give them the tools and direction that, that I didn't have, you know, coming up through, you know, all of these random ways that I got to packaging, right? Nobody told me that, you know, there, there are packaging best practices, right? Nobody said, you know, here's how you, here's how you intake a client. You know, these are the questions that you really need to focus on. Um, you know, these are the, you know, these are some materials that you should really stay away from. Um, so just sharing a lot of that information um, to the point of, uh, I wrote a, I, I, I collaborated on a book uh, that we shared through the die line that, it's called Packaging and Dye Lines, and it's like two, about 2 million downloads at this point, uh, sure. which is nuts. But for me, wow. like the, the proudest moment is, you know, I went to, I was at MSU, and um, I, was, I was speaking there at that same gig, and a couple of the professors came up, and they're like, oh, we, you know, we recommend, you know, your, your book is basically just, just part of the curriculum, you know. <laughs> wow. Um, and I've heard that through a bunch of different schools, and, and that I that I love, you know, okay. being able to so help. Just for clarification, MSU, yeah. Michigan State University. Yes. Okay, just for for those who aren't familiar with the the packaging schools within our industry, just wanted to make sure. So, okay, sorry. So continue. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're right. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, to that, you know, MSU, Clemson. Uh, you know, RIT, Virginia Tech, all these guys, all these schools use, you know, use those as, as pretty much standard, uh, which is, to me, it's a, you know, it makes me feel great that I can help that level of students 
um, as well as all the other students that are using it at you know community colleges or um, some areas that might not even have a, a, a design program available. Because um, I still, again, I still get I get emails and, and questions from uh, aspiring packaging designers saying, "Hey, I saw this. You know, I used this die line. It didn't really work for this in this material. You know, what can I do better?" Um, and you know, I'm happy to to give them some direction. Oh, that's awesome. So, what advice would you give yourself, your younger self, knowing what you know now? Um, I would say just just keep going. It's only gonna get it's only gonna get more, you know a lot more fun. I don't I don't know that I would change anything. I think uh, I've had a good time getting here. Um, I've had a great time working with the clients that I have that I've I've had the opportunity to and uh, making the friends that I've been able to. Um, mm -hmm. I. You know, I don't think I would do it any any other way. Well, well, living yeah. life with no regrets. <laughs> that's that, how you that's gotta, the you goal, roll, right? <laughs> that's the goal, but. seriously. Okay. Um, and you started to touch on some things a little bit earlier that uh, I wanted to to wait until after we got you know a better understanding of who you are as a person and what led you to to this point in your career. Um, you know. From where you sit, what kind of industry trends do do you notice? I love this question. Um, so, right now, obviously, everybody is moving towards sustainable packaging, right? And and plastic-free, replacing plastic with aluminum, you know, where where it makes sense, re replacing plastic with um, different types of fiber-based materials. Um, and it's almost like there's this race to replace it. Um, which is great. Um, I, I've heard on some of the previous podcasts people bring up um, the reusable Milkman-style uh, products, which um, Tom and TerraCycle are are championing with their loop system. You know, that's right. definitely something that we're looking at. Um, but it doesn't always make sense for brands, right? And, peop and a lot of brands are thinking, well, I can't, I can't do that model. I can't do that reusable model. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't partner with TerraCycle. Right? TerraCycle right. does like amazing things where they're collecting you know, containers from, from different cosmetic brands that aren't recyclable. They're collecting them and then recycling them into something new and useful, whether it's like playground equipment or whatever. So there's, there's definitely a push towards a sustainable model. Um, but I think there's so many... Um, variations of how you get there. And it kind of goes back to the earlier point of when you start talking to a client and figuring out what it is that they want to do. You know, they want to be sustainable, but why? And what's their goal? And what's the best way to get there? Because there's so many ways from a sustainability standpoint that you can get to a more sustainable pack. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got to change it from you know the material you're using today into granola, right? It's like you can <laughs> you can come up with something else, right? Is right. it that you need to source your product closer? Is it that you need to um, fulfill it in you know in the same place that you're producing it? Like looking at the full supply chain to deliver uh, something that makes sense. It's not always about that material. It's it's more getting a, a holistic view. Uh, but in terms of trends, like the su sustainability is huge. Um, you know starting to see people doing, uh, creating packaging that's actually doing more than just protecting your product and starting to focus on that user experience. 
um, and starting to get a lot of clients that are actually asking for you know life cycle analysis, uh, mm. which is a completely new. Uh, you know, it's not a new it's not a new thing. Um, you know, and there's there's teams that can do that out there, you know, all day long. But starting to hear clients actually come and say, "Hey, can we do you know some life cycle analysis on something?" You're like, "Wait, what? Like, are you asking wow. for this?" Because I've never heard a client ask for that, right? Most clients are like, "Nah, we don't need to do that." Um, you know, we've got you know we've got a box, we've got a bottle. Uh, it's you know if you take it apart, it's recyclable. We're we're good with that. But now having them start asking because you know I think they're starting to see the power of the people. You know, mm-hmm. people sharing. You know, I just saw someone share. Um, oh, I can't recall what it, what, the, what they hashtagged it, but it was basically like single-use plastic shaming. You know, oh where they, wow! Where they took a picture of of their um, their takeout, and it was like ten pieces of plastic. And they're like, this is you know, how could you do this? Like, this is so not correct in today's environment. Uh, and just seeing more of the single-use plastic shaming, I think brands are starting to realize we've got to get ahead of this, like way ahead right. of it. You know, they waited too long to get to where they're at today. That, um, you know, looking to the future, let's look at life cycle. What's, you know, where's this material coming from? How are we disposing of this material once it's done? You know, what, what's the responsibility of the consumer? What's the responsibility of the brand? Um, looking at the supply chain, how are we moving products? You know, how am I buying paper from Europe and manufacturing in Asia and fulfilling in Kentucky? Right? It's like how, right, like how right. much? What's my carbon footprint just on the travel alone? Um, you know, and, and those types of things. So it's like um, it, that's you know that's exciting in terms of seeing that starting to become part of the part of the dialogue and, and brands understanding that there's more than just I got a box with a logo. Right. No, it's, uh, you know, I'm from the sales side now. Um, and it started where it was only the very few large companies that were interested in sustainability, you know, being their responsibility versus, you know, a customer recycling something. And, you know, I've seen it filter down, you know, through smaller companies now that are, you know, all gung ho, and it's part of their brand ID. You right. know, being sustainable. So it, it is, it is a, a great thing because you know we want to leave behind a planet for our future generations. So we we really do need to act. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think as we're as we continue looking for new materials, um, you know, it's great to start seeing some some of these development teams, you know, there's, there's a ton of um, in Europe that are just you know, like a two, three person um, team coming up with like new materials. And, and, you know, they're not at scale yet, but they're always looking for new things and kind of just mm-hmm. being aware of what's out there and what's possible. You know, how can we, you know, collect some of this, this material that's already, that's already in our oceans? How can we repurpose that, um, you know, as a, as a raw virgin material versus going out and, and creating new things? Like, let's yeah, and, and just seeing the things that people are coming up with are, are amazing. Right, like Adidas has sneakers all from ocean waste. <laughs> right. Right, which is crazy, but it's awesome at the same time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's exciting. Know? It just shows you the 
what you can do if you really kind of set your mind to to setting this goal. It's like we can we can create anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we just we just got to give ourselves that that opportunity to, to challenge ourselves to do it. Okay, so as you look into the crystal ball, where do you see the future of packaging? You know, um, it's funny because I, I I look into this crystal ball all the time, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I see a lot of brands moving away from packaging, you know, where it's mm-hmm. not necessary. And, um, you know, we still, have, we still have to move products, right? We still have to move goods from one location to another, and, and, and that takes us back to the original purpose of packaging, which was product protection. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we kind of move away from going into, you know, always going into retail stores to pick something, um, you know, I think we can start getting away from some some of this additional packaging and just kind of focusing on on how we can get it either get it into our homes easier um, or making you know looking at new materials that can uh, that are easily uh, recyclable across the board and and really I think the future of packaging besides the the bags boxes and bottles I think the future of packaging really lies in um, the people demanding a, a new system to recycle their products like that that's what's going to what's going to change packaging um, you know currently i can you know, in my neighborhood i can't recycle glass but if i right. take all my glass bottles and i go two blocks over that particular neighborhood does recycle glass you know, it doesn't make any sense but um, you know there's waste waste that's going into landfills that's unnecessary um, and it's just, I think, once we once we figure out what that system is, then we can uh, really, you know, really push this as far as we can from a sustainability standpoint. Right. No, well, agreed. I mean, and as a packaging guy who, you know, works for a, a plastics company, you know, the responsible thing for the future is a reduction in packaging. It's there's just no other way. That's where the consumer is going to to, to push and and drive the industry forward is to figure out better ways to use what we have. Yeah, absolutely. But, it, you know, being in packaging doesn't mean uh, that a reduction in packaging is going is, to, is jeopardizing my job, you know, or my career right. or this industry, right? It's, it's just going to change it because you know, right. people remember experiences. So again, it goes back to creating experiences versus just designing packaging. Um, you know, creating something that somebody's going to remember, and if that means creating a, a beautiful experience to deliver a product that can then go away and be recycled easily, that's an even better, um, right. you know, piece. You know, I, I go through my day, you know, I see a million things in a day. We all do. Uh, I don't remember most of them, you know, but what I do remember are the experiences, right? As, a, as an example, I went, to, I, I went to pick up my lunch today and the lady behind the counter, you know, licks her fingers to separate a plastic bag and then grab my food and put it in the bag. And I, can, I cannot remember the number of the different colors of cars that I pass on the freeway. I can't remember what, you know, my friend next door is wearing. Uh, but I can tell you what this lady was wearing, how this lady looked when she licked her hand, and the look on her face uh, when, I just, when I stopped her and I said, look, you're about to touch my food. You know, <laughs> this is so disgusting. Um, right, but that was an experience. It made me feel something. Right? It, it made me feel disgust, but it made me feel something. Um, you know, and if you don't make people feel something, you're you're not going to be remembered. Yeah, that's a good point. 
It's a great point. So I've asked the questions I've needed to ask. I think I've gotten a, a good understanding of who you are as a person, as a professional, and I definitely would like to thank you for sharing your story with uh, with our podcast. Now, the best way for people to contact you would it be through LinkedIn? Absolutely. I mean, they can they can find me on LinkedIn at Evelio um, Matos. You know, E V E L I O M A T T O S. I'm sure you'll have a link in the in the show notes. Um, yes, absolutely. But, but Ted, man, I got to tell you. I appreciate this podcast. It is the, the coolest thing out there. Um, so happy to, that you that you asked me to be on here. Oh no, we're glad to have you, and for, for everything you're doing for the industry as well. It seems like we have the same mission. We're just going at it in different angles, but you know, we definitely want to spread the word to the younger you know generation coming up who's going to replace us with fresh new ideas on how to reach the ultimate goals of packaging. Absolutely. And if you're a, if you're a packaging agency or a design team and you've been doing what you've been doing for a while, you know, I, I just implore you to go and, um, you know, spend time at some of these design schools and teach and share your information because you're going to get so much more out of working with these students and seeing all these new ideas that they're coming up with that you would n- never have come up with. Um, you know, it is definitely helpful for any agency or design team out there to, to go in and partner with some of these schools to support. I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. We'll look forward to uh, putting this episode out. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will gain some, some valuable insights from it. So thank you again for your time, Avilio. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ted. All right. You take care. What a great interview with Evelio Matos. You can connect up with Evelio on LinkedIn. I'll have his contact information in the notes of the podcast and also wherever it's shared on social media. Our next interview, super excited to share with you an interview that I got to do with Rhonda Foster. Rhonda has been in the point of purchase industry for quite some years now. She is uh, an incredible interview. She was very energetic and excited. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, so be sure to like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Uh, our podcast, we can keep getting the word out about packaging. I just got back from Pack Expo, and there's a lot of energy around this. So it was really cool and exciting to be a part of that. And uh, excited to share with you our next episode on Rhonda Foster. Thanks. <laughs>